Hi everyone and welcome back to our online gathering and a special welcome to you if this is your first time joining us. My name's Philippa, I'm part of the team here at SPS and today we have another fascinating insight into David's life from the second book of Samuel. <clears throat> Let me encourage you, if you haven't been following along over the last little while, do make the time to head back through this series we've been on working through the key events of David's life. It's all here on YouTube, you know, and it's been a real gift from the lectionary to take this time to get some perspective on a big chunk of the narrative of scripture. And today's reading is a really pivotal moment, a key passage in helping us to do just that, to understand the storyline of the whole Bible, the big picture. So let's hear from God's word together now. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over, and you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. So last week we heard about David establishing the city of Jerusalem, which he renamed Zion, as his political centre and bringing home the Ark of the Covenant, the symbol and the place of the presence of God, to make Zion the religious centre too. And in our reading today, we've heard that David was then settled in his palace. The battles for the moment had been won. And it all of a sudden occurred to him, hang on. Here I am in this luxurious house 
and God himself is still in that wooden box in a tent. What am I thinking? So David consults with his prophet Nathan, who then hears from God for David. And what God says is incredible. Essentially, God says, thanks, but no thanks. I have a better plan. I haven't lived in a house since I brought the Israelites out of Egypt. I've been in my tent. And have I ever asked for or needed a house? And then this is what God, in his gentleness and kindness towards David's innocent but silly suggestion, says. David, I've been with you since you were just a shepherd boy, and now you're ruling over all of Israel. How about instead of you building me a home, I build something for you? Not just a house, but a royal lineage, a dynasty. And I wonder, have you ever asked the question or been asked the question, where is God or where does God live? And I feel like we have some stock answers to this question that sort of sound like they might be right. More often than not, we might say, oh, well, God is everywhere. But I wonder today whether it's worth us considering that for a moment. What kind of God is it that we know and how does he choose to make himself known to us? You know, the kind of God that we read about in scripture is the God who walked in the cool of the day in the garden with Ad- of Eden with Adam and Eve. He's the God who revealed himself to Moses as a burning bush. He's the God who guided the people of Israel through the desert by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He's that same God who commanded the Ark of the Covenant, that box we spoke about last week that enabled the Israelites to carry God's presence, to be built and to be carried with them. And that's why it's so naive of David in one sense to ask the question of God's dwelling place, as if God had just accidentally ended up stuck in the tabernacle, the tent that covered over the Ark of the Covenant, and was like a genie waiting to be let out. You know, I think in the last 18 months, a lot of us have been thinking about our dwelling places, haven't we? You know, during the pandemic in our family, Simon's granddad, my parents-in-law, my brother and sister-in-law, and my nephew, my brother and us, we've all moved into new houses. And all of us have had time to think about what we need from a place to live and what works for us. All of us live in very different houses depending on what we need, depending on where we want to live and what we need to do in that place. I'm sure lots of us, being mostly inner city dwellers, have spent time during the pandemic feeling frustrated by lack of space or wishing for an extra room so that working from home didn't feel quite so claustrophobic or thinking about how nice it would be to just have some outside space. Maybe you've had a house move during this time too. But where we reside, where we dwell is really important to us and it speaks about who we are and what we prioritise. Before I started training for ordination, part of my job was to work with families who were struggling with housing related issues. And I worked with one family in particular with three children who came home from work and school one day to find their belongings out on the street and the locks changed. It was just before Christmas. They were absolutely devastated, as you can imagine. And I often think back to that. And so many other families who showed up at the school I worked at with their suitcases in hand, not knowing what to do. This particular family, we ended up putting them up in a youth hostel for a while whilst they waited to be housed elsewhere. And in amongst all of the stress and worry of the situation, part of the worry that they expressed was, 
What will people think of us? What does it say about us that we are dwelling in this place? They were worried about what their employers would think, their friends, their family. You know, obviously those of us who live in places which we have been able to choose need to recognise our privilege in that. But generally it is true that where we choose to dwell, if we've had the privilege of a choice, says something about who we are. And here in this passage, God is unravelling, revealing to David in the most incredible way what his plan is to dwell with his people. This is what he says. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. God's saying to David, even once you're long gone, from your royal line will come a future king who is going to build my temple and set up an eternal kingdom. This is a massive messianic statement that God is making to David in this moment. God is saying, no, David, you've misunderstood. You thought that you needed to create a place for me to live, but actually it's me who is about to build something for you. A dynasty, a royal line that one day will lead to someone who will build not just a house for me, but a kingdom which will be a dwelling place for me on earth. And this descendant of yours who's coming, he will be my son. In this amazing moment, God is showing David that one day he'll send the Messiah. He'll send Jesus, his son, and he will walk in the cool of the day with his people again. We know that our God is a God who chooses to dwell to be present in the world in specific ways. And God chose to be the God who put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, as it says at the beginning of John, to be present in the world as a man, fully God and fully human. He was present as a man who faced himself completely towards others to the point of giving himself over to death for our sake so that we could be known and know once and for all that he is truly the God he has been saying he is all this time. And now, and this is the best bit, where does God choose to dwell? Where has God made his home? In us, in his church, by the Holy Spirit, God has chosen to live, not just individually in us as we are filled by the Spirit, but corporately in all of us as we gather to worship him and as we grow in faith towards him and as we reach out to those around us. You know, just as Johnson was just sharing with us before, God chooses to gather with us by his Spirit when we gather together in his name. And that's why it's the best thing in the world to be part of the church. This is the place, not this building or this online space even, but us, the people, the church, where God stubbornly chooses to live. It was always his plan. We don't show up on a Sunday to beg God to come and meet with us again. And he comes begrudgingly. No, quite the opposite. Just as God told David he would, God sent his son, Jesus, to establish his kingdom here, now, forever, and we are it. The church is it. 
This group of troubled, imperfect people, we're God's chosen place to live in the world. And what a privilege that is. What a privilege that is. So whether you've been here at SPS or part of the church in general for many years, or whether you're just figuring this whole thing out, let's remember together that we are the place where God has chosen to make his presence known. Where you choose to live says something about who you are. And where God chooses to live says that God is a God who is for his people, wants to be with his people and wants his people to know him. Amen.